Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. We're going to read two verses of scripture. Verse 28, verse 29. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, or Jehovah, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And verse 29 is where I'm really going to focus most of this morning. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth their strength. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Amen. If you can lay your Bibles down, let's reach out to the Lord one more time and ask his anointing in this house today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. God, we have come hungry to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord to the church. God, I pray, Lord, you would bind every spirit that would try to hinder this service from going forward. God, I pray that your anointing would rest upon me to deliver your word, God, and upon our ears today that we could hear what you have to say this morning. God, I pray that we could press into that place where you are calling us to. Lord, we worship you this morning. We magnify you today, Savior. We exalt you today, Lamb of God. Oh, can we give him a hand clap of praise this morning? I love you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Amen. I know it's Sunday morning, but as I've already said, I feel like God wants to do something here today. Amen. I come to have church. We should all be slept. We should have enough sleep this morning. At least we got an extra hour. We should be a little bit more rested. Well, amen. Maybe not. Praise God. But we're going to have church this morning. Hallelujah. I, I really feel this on my heart, and I feel like God wants to work on somebody's heart today. Amen. Even if it's me, let it be. Praise God. Praise God. Isaiah 40 and 29 tells us again, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Amen. As I was thinking Yesterday, I was trying to figure out how in the world I was going to present this, and I wanted to do this in an adequate fashion, but I began to think of the times, those of you that know me at all probably know that I enjoy going on a, on a brief run every once in a while. I like to just go and just run, and uh, as I run, there's this thing that happens when you reach a certain place. You are sheer, you're, you reach a place of sheer exhaustion. You don't feel like you can go on a, a little bit farther. And you push just a little bit more. And all of a sudden, something happens in your body. And they call it the second wind. And you feel even better than you did when you first started. 
Amen. Amen. The second wind. I began to look this up last night, and as I, I began to research it, I began to find out that they have no scientific consensus as to what triggers this second wind. They don't know. Some of them think it's the shift in, in where your fuel store comes from. It could be when it shifts from, because right when you start running, you're spo supposedly they it, it takes starts working on all your carbs. It burns off your carbs first, and when you run out of carbs, it shifts to fat. And as it shifts from fat cell to fat cell is when you feel your second wind, from what I understood. But they said this is all speculation because we cannot prove it. And they said, <clears throat> we just know that it happens. And there's runner after runner that if they don't reach that second wind, they don't feel like they were successful. However, what I want to focus on today is the simple fact that there is a second wind phenomena, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual. And what I began to realize was, though they scientifically cannot prove where this second wind comes from, we know in the spirit where our second wind will come from. Amen. They said we, we, we cannot prove it scientifically, but we don't have to prove it scientifically. The Lord told us that he would be our help. The Lord told us he would be our strength. Amen. Life circumstances on a regular continue to bombard the people of God. Amen. I can tell you for one, those of us that were here Thursday night, and I'm sorry this is the only thing that really comes to mind right away, but Thursday night we were exhausted physically, and it affected us spiritually. But the thing is, the scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. If we can find somehow, I don't care how tired I am physically, if I can find that place in the, in the spirit where, I, where I, can, I can get it to his presence. Are you out there this morning? Amen. Don't go to sleep on me today. Amen. We, we need a breakthrough in this service today. We've got to press through into the spirit this morning. We need a second wind in this house today. Amen. I know I have been exhausted over the past few weeks because of situations just, just bearing down on my, on my life. And I know I'm not the only one. But there comes a time where we can get into the presence of the Lord. As I dwelt in the presence of the Lord last night in, in prayer and as I came this morning again, I began to feel the fresh breath of heaven washing over me anew and afresh. Because why? Because I found out where my second wind comes from. And I understand where I need to be when I feel like I'm at my lowest point. And that is on my face before God. And I in the word of God, listening to what the word of God has to say to me. Coming into the house of God and hear what God has told the man of God to preach to my heart. Hallelujah. Praise God. We can, we can be weighed down time after time with life circumstances. And I know after time after time it's easy to be, be sidetracked with the things that come in life. But we can never forget where our help comes from. Hallelujah. We get to a point where we think that we can't make it another second. We get to a point that if we can just press on just a few more steps. He's right there waiting for us. The scripture tells us that he 
will never put on us more than we can bear. Never. And as I begin to think about that, I think as you're running down the course in which you're headed, he's standing there at that point that you think you can't make it to, but he knows you can. A few times back, a few times back when I was preaching here, I preached about how the brothers and sisters of the church are there encouraging the people of God to press on just a little bit farther. But I think it's more than that. I believe God's standing there saying, come on, you can make it just a little bit farther. You can go a little bit farther. You can go a little bit deeper. Amen. There's a second wind that's just waiting there, just past the precipice of where you've stopped. If we can just press on just a little bit deeper, we can go into that realm of the Spirit where God has been calling us to. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We've got to press on this morning. We've got to press on this morning. We, uh, we understand, as I said just a moment ago, that the, the, that the second wind, they don't understand in the natural where it comes from. But in the spiritual, we can understand throughout the scripture where the second wind comes from. The scriptures show us time after time that our help comes from God. Amen. We read in our scripture text tonight, Isaiah 40 and 29 says, He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases their strength. Amen. And today, as I was was going through thinking about things throughout the scripture, the one thing that came to my mind was David when he went back home to Ziklag. And they had been out fighting for, for the Philistines, helping them overcome their enemies and they were sent home and they were exhausted and they got home and they realized as they crossed over the hill wherever they were they saw the Bible says afar off the smoke that was rising from Ziklag while they were gone the Amalekites had come and they had destroyed all of Ziklag and and had uh, burnt it all the way down to the ground and taken their livestock and their possessions and their families They had been under siege. Amen. When they had been out helping others, they had been under siege. And they had no idea. They made it back home. And the Bible tells us there in 1 Samuel that that when they arrived back home, they began to weep bitterly. Weep bitterly. Until they had no more strength to weep. And rightfully so. But as they were weeping... They never forgot. David never forgot. Because when he finished weeping, he said, bring forth hither the ephod. That I may inquire of the Lord. And they brought the ephod. And at its weakest moment, they didn't feel like they could go on another second. He asked the Lord, should I pursue them? Should I go after them? And the Lord said, you shall pursue And you will recover all. But what David didn't understand was when he went and he pursued them and he overtook them. When he recovered all, he didn't realize that wasn't just the things that they took from David. But the Amalekites had been some busy folks and they had been tearing down other cities. And and, and looting those cities and taking things from them. And when David pursued the Amalekites 
And he overthrew them. He retrieved all of his stuff and everybody else's as well. Amen. Let me tell you, when you begin to feel like you can't press on another second and you fall on your knees and say, God, I need your strength. And he's standing there saying, come on, just a little bit farther. I got something just, I got something just for you over this little precipice. If you can make it to that second win, it's going to be like you never, something like you've never, ever experienced before. It's not just going to affect your life. But it could it could affect your neighbor's life. It could affect your lost loved one's life. It could affect those people that you work with. It could affect their life. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's why it's important when we come into the house of God, we don't just sit back and say, oh, man, I'm too exhausted to press through. I've got to press through. I know I've got to make it. But, God, I need your strength. And when that happens, we begin to leap for joy. We begin to lift our hands. We begin to worship the Lord. And his spirit begins to fill the house as he has this morning. I thank God that our people came this morning that was hungry for a touch of heaven. I thank God that our people came this morning morning they wanted something different knowing and understanding we've got to go deeper Hallelujah. If we could just press on. I don't even have to finish this message this morning. I feel the presence of God flowing through this place today. I feel, I, as I was standing over there, I'm gonna, I, I had these questions come to mind. And I wasn't even going to ask, but I have to ask you this morning. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I want you to think about it. I, wanna, I, want, you to, I want you to ask yourself, did I come with the need this morning? Think about it. Did I come with something that I needed? I want you to ask yourself another question. Do you believe that God can perform it? Do you have a need? And can God fix that need? That's all there is to it. You come before God and you say, Lord, here's my need, and I leave it in your hands. You say, Brother Brandon, you make that sound so simple. It's really that simple. I can promise you, I don't know how many times over the last year I've gotten on my face and I said, God, I got this situation and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. <clears throat> but God, I said, no, never mind. I do know what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to hand it to you. I'm going to let you take control of it. That mean I, I didn't think about it and I didn't try to take care of things on my part? No, I did try to take th care of things on my part because God requires that. That shows your faith. I'm not talking about walking up and saying, God, here it is, and walk away and for never think about it again. But when you come before God, when you come before God, you have a need, and you believe he can take care of it, you're going to leave it at his feet, and you're going to come back time after time. Lord, here I am again. I have this need still, and I know you can provide for it, but until you do, 
I'm going to go about my business trying to make sure that I'm doing my part because I want you to understand, Lord, not just because I say it that I believe it, but because of my actions, I really believe you. I believe you can do this. Amen. Praise God. It would have been one thing if, if David had asked God, should I pursue them? And God say, yes, pursue them, and you shall overtake them. That, that, that required action on David's part. Could God have slew the Amalekites and brought back the families and their possessions and everything? Absolutely. But God required David to do something. Amen. Amen. I, the other thing that I began to think about as I thought about this second wind type scenario. And Brother Cicely, you pull my, my shirt tail if I, I get out of hand here. But I began to think of Jesus, the man Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth. We believe in this house that he was fully man and he was fully God. He was completely flesh, yet the spirit that dwelt inside of him was the almighty God. Amen? So being flesh, he felt the same things we felt. Hebrews tells us that we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with our infirmities, who was tempted in all points like as we are. Somebody began to talk to me about the Trinity, and, and we began to discuss certain situations. <clears throat> and I told them, I said, well, if Jesus and the Father are completely separate, then the Father did not pay a price because the Spirit cannot die. But he came to this earth and took upon himself flesh in order to pay the price that we owe for our sin. And we know this morning that the the wages of sin is death. And Jesus came and he knew that his ultimate goal was to die for our sins and rise again on the third day, showing us that we can be victorious over death. Amen. Paying the price that we owe. And I began to think of that night in the garden when he was there praying. Can you imagine... As a human being, knowing you're about to be going before and being sentenced to death by the most cruel death that you've ever seen. And knowing the pain that you're about to endure. And knowing that you must do it. And I begin to think, Jesus was like, I can't do this. The man, Jesus Christ, could not do this. I can't do this. Why do I say that? Because as he prayed in the garden, the flesh cried out to the spirit. Oh, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to face what I'm about to face. I don't want to endure what I'm about to have to endure. But nevertheless... My, not my will be done, but thine be done. I feel tonight, if you'll let my imagination go a little bit, the Spirit was sitting there saying, come on, a little bit farther. You've got to 
one more thing you've got to take care of before you're victorious. And once you reach that place, oh, think about this. Had that man been too weak to endure what he had to endure, I'm not saying he couldn't. I'm not saying that. But because the flesh reached that place of a second wind, he was able to endure the death. And when he came out from death, the entire world could be saved. Brother Sisler, just like David, he went after and he pursued and he overthrew them. And when he overthrew them, he... He took all back. Jesus Christ, how much more did he take? He went to the enemy's camp. And he wreaked havoc on hell. And he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Showing us that he has all power over every situation in our life. And because of what he did, he endured the cross. He went through that that, if you will, the, the hell on earth that he had to endure so that we could be saved, so the entire world could be saved. He made it to that place because the Spirit gave him the strength that he needed to go on. Hallelujah. And that same Spirit that raised him up out of the grave now dwells in us as a child of God. We have the same the same strength, the same ability to overcome any situation. And I can tell you this, not one of us has faced death straight in the face as Jesus Christ did. But he can give you strength this morning to stand on your own two feet and say, Lord, I don't care what I come against. I don't care what I have to endure. God, I know you will be my strength because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I went to Isaiah chapter number 6, verse number 1, and I saw where, where Isaiah had been prophesying doom and gloom time after time. And I know it had to be wearing on the man's mind. Why do I, every time I open my mouth, I'm speaking doom and gloom? But Isaiah chapter number 6 says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, and he is high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. You understand, I, most of us here today understand what that train represents. That train of, in, in ancient in ancient times, the kings, as they would go out to battle, when they would when they would become victorious over their, their enemies, they would add to the train of their robe. And Isaiah went after facing the people time after time saying, look, judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. Hey, guess what? Judgment's coming. He went into the house of the Lord and got into the presence of God. And he was strengthened because then he realized how victorious our God really is. That train just didn't flow across the floor but the scripture tells us that the Lord's train filled the temple. I'm telling you this morning, we serve a God who is a victor. We serve a God who is a deliverer. We serve a God who is a savior. We serve a God who is a healer. 
And we've come in this place today. You may have been downtrodden, but I've come this morning to help try to encourage you and tell you if you don't think you can make it another second, why don't you reach out to God? Why don't you surrender to Him? Why don't you give your life to Him? Hallelujah. I know what it is as a child of God, time after time, to take my life back into my own hands. But I, every time I do that, I mess things up. I wind up upside down. And he has to reach down and grab me and say, here, son, let me give you a little bit more strength because I found a place to pray. Because I realize I can't make it without his strength. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord here this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Let me, I, I begin to think of the, the, the analogy of this train. And I begin to think of throughout the scripture, and not one time in the scripture you understand did the Lord ever lose a battle. In fact, the scripture begins, it goes to tell us that he wins the ultimate battle. Amen. Showing that his people are victorious. Because we learn to surrender to him. When we surrender to the Lord, we're victorious. But when we take things into our own life, we become downtrodden. When we try to take things in control and, and, and try to fix them ourselves... Well, sometimes YouTube can't fix it. <laughs> or Dr. Google can't fix it. Sometimes we have to trust in the Lord. Amen. These are situations in which we can't say, how do I get myself out of a hole that I've dug for myself? You can't watch enough YouTube videos to pull that one out. Amen. You wind up messing things up even more when you use man's philosophy. That's another lesson for another time. But God's people are victorious in everything if they can learn to worship him and to fall on their face before him. The man Job, we find... He lost everything in a matter of less than 10 minutes. But yet we find in chapter, I believe it's chapter 2 or the end of chapter 1, where he falls on his face and he worships the Lord. He understood where his strength came from. I understand he became self-righteous at one point in time, but then he wound up back saying, Oh God, please forgive me. I'm not the one that created the, the, the earth. I can't tell you where all this stuff came from. He said, though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust him. Amen. Every time that the people of God cried out to him, throughout the scripture, and I just got a couple of places that I pulled from, he responds in victory. Psalm 34 and 6 tells us, the, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Psalms chapter 30 verses 8 
through 12 says, I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. The psalmist says, Lord, be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Amen. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise unto thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. God, I don't want to dwell upon these situations anymore. God, I'm just going to move my focus from off of my situation and set my perspective upon you and realize you are the one that's in control. You are the one that can take care of my situation and I give it to you today. Hallelujah. Praise God. The, the Apostle Paul, he said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. He said, I will therefore that men Pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I got to looking at this scripture, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Those words could be also interpreted as without anger and without dispute. Without anger and without dispute. I know from my experience in my life that when I'm looking at my situations and I don't have the right perspective, that anger rises up in me. Why am I going through this right now? Why do I have to face what I'm facing right now? I don't understand. God, I've done everything that I feel like I, I, I could do. Why am I going through this? And there comes anger causes the disputing. And I know that's not the exact interpretation of the scripture. But as I read the scripture, I began to think about it in that light. But if I can learn, as the Apostle Paul said, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Without anger and without disputing your situation, if you can just lift up holy hands and begin to worship the Lord for who he is. That's why Psalms 150 didn't give us an opportunity to praise God according to our situation. I know I've said it a lot over the last few weeks, but I'm telling you again, the only thing that we ought to be praising God for is according to his excellent greatness and according to his mighty acts. When you have a hard time understanding why I ought to praise God, why don't you think back of where God brought you from? Where did God bring you out of? Amen. He brought me out of, a muck, out of the muck and mire of sin. I was on my way to a devil's hell. I was, a, I was going to burn for eternity if God had not reached down and saved my soul. Amen. If you pray and you're sincere and you're surrendering yourself to God and you have no anger about your situation and you have the faith that it takes and you have faith simply just to believe that he can take care of your situation. It's pretty simple. I'm not angry about my situation because I, I really don't doubt my Lord. Without wrath and doubting, I'm not doubting the Lord. I'm trusting him. Amen. And if I can do these things, he will perform 
what I am seeking him to perform. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Psalms 46 and 1 goes to tell us, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Amen. You see, the Lord is our source of our second wind. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Isaiah 40 and 29 says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. 2 Corinthians 12 and 7 tells us, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. He said, I had something come in my life that was bothering me. A situation I wanted to get rid of. Didn't understand why it was there. And I asked the Lord to remove it. Verse number 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times. He said, I, I besought the Lord that it might depart from me. In verse 9, the Lord responded. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, the apostle said, Will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me? Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When I read that, I realized I may be at my lowest point, but I'm right there on the verge of the second wind. It's been promised time after time that God's going to release. It's already here. Revival's already here. That God's going to do things that are going to boggle our minds. And the devil heard it too. And so when we come before God in, the, in, in his temple, we got to come before him believing. Lifting up, I would that everybody would lift up holy hands this morning without wrath and without doubting what the Lord has in store. Understanding that all things work together for good, for the good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his According to his excellent greatness. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Sister Beck, if you could come. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Can we worship him this morning? Oh, we love you, Jesus.